The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 195 of the world's best Cincinnati Reds podcast. If this is the only Reds podcast you listen to, it's the best anyway. I'm Chad Dotson, your host. Joining me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? I am splendiferous, Chad. Jason, baseball is, I mean, it's here. It's here. God, thank God. <laughs> really? Our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This nightmare may last a little bit longer. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it is back, and, and, and even bad baseball sometimes, if it's the Reds, Hey, we're happy about it, I know. And I'm excited because uh, this podcast will be dropping, uh, I guess, about the same day that the Reds are going to be playing their first uh, spring training game. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, to me, the biggest news from this week, and there's been not a lot of news, but some that's of, of interest out there in uh, in Red Leg Nation. To me, the biggest news is that it's something we talked about last week on the podcast. And, and you remember how last week we just... Went all dreamy-eyed over that thought that uh, Nick Senzel could play shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. You remember that, Jason? I I do seem to recall that very thing. Yes. Well, this week after after the podcast, uh, we find out that the Reds' uh, Brian Price, manager Brian Price, announced that basically he's going to be working out at shortstop and third base. That's where he's going to be playing this spring: shortstop and third base. And Here's the way I read that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Here's the way I read that. I want you to tell me how wrong I am, Jason. He's not. Well, my first question is not second base. That tells me because we had always assumed that he's second base is the most likely place for uh, Nick Senzel, who, if, if you've been under a rock, he's the Reds' uh, number one prospect, basically on the verge of being in the major leagues. This guy's a stud. Everyone agrees across baseball uh, has been a third baseman. But it tells me that hey, maybe. They really believe that he can handle shortstop uh, defensively on the big league level. Am I reading too much into that? Because that's what I want to happen. I I don't think you are. I think um, you know we talk. I think about last time about how it he'd gotten there like a month early to work on um, to work on shortstop, which was incredibly encouraging. What I find really interesting, though is that it's shortstop for a third base and not second base. Now, yes, the Reds are incredibly deep at second base, mm-hmm. um, but they have like, they have sort of like um, a hand, like a good, a good, nice handful of two to three, you know, win players over there. But I think the third base thing is really interesting because I don't know if you remember or not, but um, right around the time it was announced that Suarez was going to go to arbitration, Williams was asked if they'd explored like um, an extent an extension, and he said, "Well, it takes two to tango or whatever." Right. Yeah. That, that's... So I kind of wonder if the Reds are saying it's great if Nick Senzel can play shortstop, and we're happy to have him at shortstop. But if not, 
a Eugenio, the trade market can always happen. Right. I just I just wonder about that. I thought that was really interesting. The second base wasn't in the equation at all. But I agree that the plan for him right now seems to be to play shortstop, especially because he's likely to start the season in Louisville. Um, and Louisville is going to be stacked with whatever second baseman the Reds don't have. Absolutely. And you're right. There are a lot of second basemen. And, uh, and I guess it makes sense that if he can handle shortstop, that that would be, uh, you know, you do have more. We, we talked last week, uh, and maybe the week, last time we were before that, we were talking about the lack of uh, quality shortstops in the system, at least uh, that are close to the major leagues. But I, I don't know. I just it looked to me like second base was the place where he it, it would have been the quickest uh, move to get him into the big leagues because I didn't think shortstop was even an option. I mean, I know he'd played some shortstop in college. His college coach, I did a profile of Sinzel right after he was drafted for Cincinnati Magazine and had some quotes in there from his college coach at the University of Tennessee that said, listen, I think this guy can play shortstop on the professional level. But, you know, that's a college coach. Who, who knows? You know, I mean, he's a good coach. They've got a good program um, at UT Knoxville. But, uh, you know, I didn't really think of it much thought. And then when they come out and say, well, we're going to work him out, you know, different positions, including shortstop. Like, that, that's when you and I got googly-eyed. Yes. Um, but to to me, and I didn't maybe didn't say this the, the way I meant to earlier. Actually, the first thing that came to mind was it it means that the Reds think either Suarez or Senzel can play shortstop because I don't you know I don't, we've not heard anything from them about Suarez playing any shortstop this yeah. spring last last year in the second half they said they were going to you know sort of work him out more there. Um, but if he's not playing second base at all, he's not going to be in the big leagues at third base this year. Right. Because uh, Suarez is here this year, unless there's some kind of a trade brewing that we don't know about, and that's always a possibility. But I think you're right. I think it gives them some options at two positions if he can handle it defensively. And as we said last week, if Nick Senzel can handle shortstop defensively, and early signs are that the Reds think he can, and they've been with, out there with him for a long time now, if he can, we're talking about you are inserting a potential all-star into the Reds lineup immediately because he'll be among the best hitting shortstops in baseball. I, I mean, if, if he's a shortstop, he's a potential MVP. Yeah. We're talking I mean, Francisco Lindor. I mean, Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's huge. I completely agree. It is enormous if he can in fact play short. And, you know, I, I guess one of the things is if it's not Sincel, then it's going to be Peraza. And defensively, everybody knows that Peraza can play shortstop. Like, is he Zach Cozart? No, but he can play shortstop in the major leagues. Um, so, you know, then it's it's really, whereas at second base, you know what they've got. Uh, they've got Jeanette. They've got Blandino. Shed Long. Um, Rara. They've got Shed Long. They've got Jose Peraza. If Senzel is playing short, they've got a lot of options over at second base. Um, and they don't have a lot of options at shortstop. They have Jose Peraza and whatever old slash career minor league guys they can grab hold of. Yeah, the Cliff Pennington types. Yeah. So, the, yeah, if you can make Senzel into an option at shortstop, then by all means do so. Well, you've gone and you've gone in and, and filled one of the big holes that we expected the Reds may have to fill when they start making that move towards competitiveness, and you filled it internally, and you filled it with a guy that, you know, like you said, I mean, legit, uh, you, if he hits like everybody expects him to, at shortstop he's an MVP candidate. At third base or at second base, you know he's an all-star type player. He's good, but at shortstop, it's just a it's a completely different ball game. And I know we said this last week and marveled over it, but it really does change 
the way this team looks in terms of where where they have to feel and, and where how I feel about the rebuild in some ways, because I was expecting that to you know I, I hadn't given up on Jose Peraza as a shortstop and I, he's you know what is he twenty three years old he, you know he's a former top prospect uh, he's I haven't given up on him but uh, but that was probably a spot shortstop and center field are probably two spots that the Reds would like to improve offensively. If now the only thing you really need to really look, I mean, you can always improve anywhere is, but if center field's the only place, man, that uh, makes it a lot easier, I guess, to be competitive once we're to that point. Yeah. And I mean, I continue to say that, you know, in center field, you can absolutely live with Billy Hamilton out there. Um, as long as, you know, he bats in the correct spot, but he's in terms of value, he's, he's solid. Like, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's average-ish. Well, yeah, if, if you can handle Billy Hamilton in the lineup unless you have Billy Hamilton Light playing shortstop as well because then you've got two sinkholes in the lineup, and it's hard to justify that. But if it's just him and everywhere else you're getting, you know, decent production, and, and they should be at least league average at every other position. Except first base, they won't be league average at first base. No, they'll be well above league average. <laughs> they'll be well above league average at third base too, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably at least one of the corner outfield spots. Um, right. And, you know... Duvall Shebler proven to be basically average. I think I think actually Shebler, the injury hurt him last year. Scott Shebler, I think he could be above average as a hitter, but roughly average last year. Duvall roughly average as a hitter I last would, year. I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. Um, but what about second base? Let's let's talk about that for a moment. So now Sinzel's not in the mix, and we all sort of clamored for Scooter Jeanette to get traded in the offseason, and I think that uh, with good reason. I'm not sure Scooter Jeanette's value is ever going to get higher if he has any value, and he may not. You know, people – People know as much as the Reds know, but he did have a really good season with the bat last year. And as I, I got to be a, sort of the stopgap until maybe Shed Long gets here, eh, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, I kind of still don't think that he should be the starter. Uh, I kind of still think that his best role is utility guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that everybody really tends to forget is that um, Scooter Jeanette is not really great defensively. That's uh, that's being kind about it, I think. Right. He's yeah. poor. Yeah, he's he's great as a utility player. Um, but I think, you know, the idea that he's going to come out and duplicate offensively what he did last year, I, I think I just, I'm not buying it. Um, I hope that he makes it so that I have to, you know, change my mind about things and admit sure. that I'm wrong, but I'm not necessarily buying it. None of the projection systems are buying it, including even the like fan projection from fan graphs isn't even buying it. Like, so even the fans don't think that Scooter Jeanette is going to um, duplicate what he did last year. So I kind of think that right now, all things being equal, um, as long as he's healthy, I kind of think Dilson Herrera should be the starting second baseman. Really? I do. Uh, you're crazy, Jason. That's what they tell me. Scooter Jeanette is a legend in Red's history. He's, he certainly did some things. Oh, there's an exciting chapter about him in a new Red's book I want to talk about. Because he, he's a legend. Oh, well, he is. He is. <laughs> he did a thing. He hit many home runs at the same time. He did. You know, I thought the question was going to be, he's holding the place until Sinzel gets ready in June. You know? Yeah. That's what I thought it was going to be too, and I was I was fine with that. What if what if we say that he's holding the place until Shed Long is ready next spring? 
next spring, Shed Long will be as old as Dilson Herrera is now. It's fascinating. It's a good point. Dilson Herrera, everybody forgets. They shouldn't yeah. because we got him uh, for the, in the Jay Bruce trade. But now, Dilson Herrera is not going to wow anybody defensively. He's not going to be Pokey Reese. But Dilson he's Herrera not, can hit when he's healthy. He's not, he's not bad defensively. No, no. I'm not I'm not suggesting Scooter Jeanette. Yeah. Um, not, uh, Scooter's not that bad, and he's just not good. But yeah. um, but Dilson Herrera, you know, Scooter Jeanette had a great season last year. And I think that there's reason to believe that he can maintain some of those gains because there's some, you know, technical, you know, the launch angle stuff. He's changed his swing. I think you know, he's going to keep hitting with some power. I, he's not going to hit, you know, like he did last year. There's, I don't see any way. I hope so. Um, Dilson Herrera, though, has hit everywhere he's been. Yeah. In, in the minor league. I mean, he's he's a hitter. He's a he's a guy that, you know, is going to probably be on this roster. When he the, has to be. It's either He's either on the roster or he's traded because if the Reds pass him through waivers, they try to pass him through waivers, they're going to lose him. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're not going to want to take that chance. So, I mean, he's going to be on this roster. Uh, right. I can't imagine that they would expose him, uh, especially so, just the, the PR so, from getting him for Jay Bruce and then handing him away to somebody. And so if he's here, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like your idea, but it's, that's not going to happen. But, I mean, here's the question, though. I, who would you rather be playing for you every day? The... Uh, 28-year-old in his last year of team control who is likely to regress heavily, or the 24-year-old who has, I'm not sure what his like sort of days on the roster status is, but Herrera's got to have at least five, or at least four, potentially five years of, of control left. Who do you want? Okay, I know who I want. Who does Brian Price want in, since he's managing for his life right now? I don't know. I still might take Dawson Herrera. <laughs> I might. I might as well. But he's going to look at you know twenty. How many home runs did uh, twenty six home runs or whatever that Jeanette hit last year? And yeah. Um. Again, I, I thought Jeanette was going to be a placeholder until Sinzel took over. Uh, maybe it's until uh, Herrera takes over or shed longer or whatever. But I was happy about him being a placeholder until Sinzel took over because I thought if he did move back into that utility role, he can be a valuable piece for the Reds. And I think he could actually the Reds could justify maybe signing him uh, for a couple more years um, as a utility guy, unless, unless he's too expensive. Because I think he can provide some pop off the bench, and that's what they thought he was when they acquired him, after all. And, and he can do that. I guess that, that ship may have sailed at this point, uh, because uh, once he's a free agent, I guess uh, he's liable to have someone that'll throw some money at him, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, it really, a lot of it depends on this year, and... The market has been weird already anyway. Um, but I think it just kind of depends on what he does this year. Well, okay. Let's say you're uh, general manager Dick Williams, and you don't think he is that Scooter's the, the long-term answer for the next three, four years. And I, you know, I'd be surprised if the Reds really thought that. Despite the great, you know, I, I hate to feel like I'm criticizing Scooter Jeanette because what a year he had last year. I mean, yeah. love that guy. Plays hard. I got no objections with Scooter Jeanette. We're, we're not being critical of Scooter Jeanette. We're just trying to be realistic about what his production is likely to be like going forward. Exactly. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Scooter Jeanette fan. Um, but either Dilson Herrera or Shed Long or, I mean, even Alex Blandino, they're, they're Jose Peraza in that mix. One of these guys is more likely to be your second baseman of the future. Why waste too many at-bats this season on someone else? Why waste those at-bats on Scooter Jeanette 
this season if you think one of those other guys may be the guy. And really, Herrera and Blandina, Blandino, those are the two guys that are going to be really major league ready this year. Why not give them some of those at-bats? Or Peraza. Yeah, I mean, if I am in charge of the Reds roster, let's say I'm Dick William, what I say to Brian Price is, at least at the beginning of the year, your shortstop is Jose Peraza, your second baseman is Dilson Herrera, and you are welcome to find Scooter Jeanette three to four starts throughout the week. And, and that's easy to do. And when it comes time for Nick Senzel to come up, when the, whether the Reds judge that to be two weeks later or two months later, um, one of those players that is starting is now going to be sitting. And it is up to, basically, it's competition between those three guys. Like, do it. Who can hit? If Especially if Senzel can play short, it's, you know, which one of you all can hit and play, you know, Basically, who can provide the most value, and that's the guy who starts at second base. And I think Alex Blandino is your backup in the event that somebody gets hurt. Um, at, at both middle infield positions, he can back yeah. up. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I wouldn't want to see him every day at shortstop, to no. be frank. Well, back as a backup, I'm saying. I mean, he can, yeah. He can provide some value as a backup at both those yes. positions. Um, and I think somebody gets hurt, he comes up. Um, but I think he's playing every day in Louisville this year. Um and, but yeah, I mean, I think that's it. When, when Senzel is ready, somebody loses their job and it's a competition for them to decide who that's going to be. And, and what you're saying is that Scooter should be, uh, you know, out of, out of that mix of people. I mean, he should be, he should be a utility guy. He should be a utility guy unless Herrera and or Peraza fall on their faces. Which is, you know, possible. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I can see that. I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. I don't have any real sense of how much the front office, Dick Williams and the front office, the baseball operations guys, are exerting influence on Brian Price. And, and maybe we'll see this year. And, and you know, I've, I've talked to Dick Williams about, he's uh, going to come back on the podcast at some point here soon, like he did last year. I really appreciate that. I mean, maybe that's a question I need to ask him, is how much influence is the front office going to have? Because what you've got is what everyone is kind of calling the last year of the rebuild. Uh, yeah. You know, this is this is the year when we really start pushing forward, and yeah. um, you've got that where you still have some questions that need to be answered. What what can Peraza do? What can uh, you know is uh, what can Dilson Herrera do? Uh, who's our second baseman of the future? Like we've been talking about, who's our shortstop? Is Senzel gonna hang on? You still got questions that are out there, but you've got to balance that with the fact that Brian Price is managing for his life, and it's gonna be. I don't know how that's all gonna play out. It's gonna be interesting to watch because Brian Price is on a. He's on a one-year contract, and I think everyone assumes that if they don't get substantially better, win substantially more games, he's gone. He may be gone either way. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, (sighs) how's that going to play out between the front office and the uh, manager? Because I I imagine that what the front office thinks is best for the next three, four years of the Reds, in some instances, will differ with what Brian Price thinks is best for this year's Reds. Uh, in terms of wins and losses, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's unreasonable for Brian Price to say, "Hey, I need to get wins. I would rather have Scooter Jeanette right now." I mean, I think that's reasonable to say, rather than Dilson Herrera, who's really never performed on the major league level. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, Herrera's only got like 150 plate appearances or something like that in the majors. Um, so, I mean, but it's not unreasonable to say that I expect Jeanette to be better this season. 
No, that's probably not unreasonable, but it's also not impossible that Dilson Herrera will be better than Scooter Jeanette this season. It's not it's not impossible. I agree. There, there's a, a not insignificant chance that he'd be a better hitter than Scooter Jeanette based upon Jeanette's entire career history before last year. He's certainly a better second baseman than Scooter Jeanette is. Right. And, and of course, Herrera is not going to be a tailor-made backup because he can really only play one position. I mean, I guess they've been working him out at third, but I mean, he's yeah, strictly he, I mean, he a second baseman. Play third if need be, but yeah, he's a second baseman. So I don't know. I just I think if I'm Brian Price, I look at what Scooter Jeanette gave me last year, and again, I don't know how much Price cares about the uh, analytics and advanced metrics, but I think that he probably looks at that, and I can't really necessarily disagree with him. That's the best option to win more games this season. But the truth of the matter is, the Reds. I want the Reds to win a lot of games for the next five seasons. What's yeah. the right decision to help the Reds win more games in the next five seasons? That's what I want to know. And you know, how's that going to conflict? What do you think? Is that going to conflict with what Price's uh, aim is? No. You know, one of the interesting things about Jeanette is that his performance did fall off substantially in the second half, which I think everybody is aware of. Um, we may have forgotten, but it did. And it fell off basically kind of in sync with when he started to play every day. And you can say, you know, well, is that, was he tired or was the league just starting to figure him out? You know, one of the things about making adjustments is you make your adjustment, sure, but then the league gets to adjust back against you. So um, it may be that he was getting pitched differently. Um, You know, it may be that that the plate discipline aspect, you know, that there was something going on there um, that altered his results. And I don't know, it's hard to say. I think in terms of if you were to ask me who's likely to be a better player in three years right now, I probably am going to take Dilson Herrera this year. I'd say it's 50, 50 to be frank. Um, and which is just to say that, you know, I've seen a great half of a season from Scooter Jeanette and a good half of a season. And I'm going to need to see a little bit more especially given his age, before I'm a true believer. Well, right, and I agree with all that. What would concern me is the fact that how is, you know, if I believe Scooter Jeanette is going to be better in 2018, then Dilson Herrera will be at second base. How do I think about it in terms of if Herrera doesn't get to play, though, this year and doesn't get that experience, maybe that affects how good he is for the next three years. I mean, that's something that the front office has to be concerned about. they got to get him uh, appearances. Yeah, Herrera needs to be playing. I mean, and he's got to be on the roster. That's the deal, right? Yeah. Um, so or they lose him. It is certainly a conundrum. Um, and I don't know the answer. It's a conundrum wrapped in an enigma smothered in secret sauce. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. That's one of the things to watch. There's so many things to watch this year. Let's uh, shift gears just a little bit, but really it's in the same vein as what we've been talking about. Joey Votto arrived at Cincinnati Reds spring training this uh, this week. Hey, do, do have you heard of Joey Votto? I have heard of Joey Votto. He is perfect and delightful. Is that your opinion of Joey Votto? That is my official opinion. Wow, I can't imagine what he would have done uh, in the last uh, few years to make you believe that. But he's not. He's okay. I mean, he's not bad. Um, he showed up, and uh, you know, it's become kind of customary the last few years when he shows up at camp. It becomes a State of the Reds address. You know, all the media gathers around him, and he makes his first uh, comments, and they're reported everywhere. And of course, that's the way it is. And uh, Votto uh, said that the number one thing he tried to do in uh, in his off season was he tried to get fatter. Now, do you believe that 
Jason Linden. Is Joey Votto pulling our leg? I think he might be uh, engaging in a little bit of chicanery in that instance. Joey Votto, such shenanigans. Yes. Um, okay, that wasn't the most interesting thing that he said uh, this week. It wasn't? No, it was not Jason Linden. And I know, you, I know that you know what he said because you follow everything Votto does with uh, really a stalker's intensity. Hey, now. <laughs> Wait, what? Did I, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not stalking Joey Votto, but you really think he's a very good baseball player. Uh, let's put it I that way. I don't think it because it's true. Exactly. Uh, perfect in every way or whatever you said a moment ago. But he had some comments, and not just once, but two, three times. I mean, he sort of kept talking about it the first two or three days he was there. And that was uh, about the ongoing rebuild. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote uh, what he said here for you. I think we're starting to get to the point where people are starting to get tired of this stretch of ball. I think something needs to start changing and start going in a different direction. I'm going to do my part to help make that change. So uh, w when you hear that, I think something needs to start changing. We're getting tired of this. What do you hear? Is he just voicing the frustration of the fans? Or is he voicing the frustration of an aging ball player who wants to win? I think he's voicing the frustration of an aging ball player and probably, frankly, the frustration of everybody who's been around for the last couple of years. I mean, you know, time is going to, as much as I despise saying it, time will eventually catch up with Joey Votto. I'm not quite sure of that. I think you're probably right, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet the ranch I mean, on that he's one, Jason. Not gonna be like, you know, fifty-five and hit like. Uh, he might only hit two eighty when he's fifty-five. Right, maybe yeah. Um, and probably he's only gonna be good for like fifteen homers by that age. Yeah. It, yeah. Probably yeah, about fifteen. Really gonna be more of a utility player given given his defensive abilities. Maybe a good bench bat at that age, so he's aware that his career has has, has limits. Yeah, there's a there's an expiration date. We're not sure when it is, and I don't think it's anytime soon. But there is an expiration yeah. date. Um, and so yeah, I mean, if it's going to happen, it needs to happen now. And you know, I think also like like you know, one of the things that I think we don't acknowledge enough is that every every reasonably smart person can see most of the things that we see, and Joey Votto is, I think, more than reasonably smart. And he can look at it and go, okay, last year some stuff got figured out on the pitching. Some stuff needed to get figured out on the pitching. This year, any holes you got, it's time to start spending money. Like this year, there's there's no, well, in two years, we'll wait. No, no, no. Now. It's now. If yeah. we get to June or July and somebody is not getting it done, then somebody is done. And it's time to bring in a, a replacement. Yeah. No, you know, he, uh, absolutely. He, and I think he is, uh, I asked you that question, but uh, I have the same opinion about it that you have, that he's, you know, he's a guy that's, he sees his career is not going to last forever. And he did say that he went, not, wants to win not just one, but two World Series rings before he's done. So uh, he's put the, he's, he's put it down for, uh, for Dick Williams and the Reds organization. Come on, it's time to start winning. But he's also, he, he's speaking for himself, but he is certainly, he has expressed my feelings with a, uh, a certain degree of accuracy. I mean, I'm really, this off season more than at any point in the past. And I'm happy to be accused of being uh, overly optimistic about the Reds. Uh, that's something you and I sort of, we, we wear it. I don't, I don't mind. Cause I, you know, baseball's fun. I don't mind having fun with it. And, and it's more and, fun this way. Like as I, as I recently right. said to a friend, if you are a baseball fan, 
I don't understand what the point of being a fan is unless you can be optimistic about the current season, at least until May, at which point you switch to being, you either continue being optimistic about the current season or you switch to being optimistic about next season. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, life is short and, and I won't, anybody can follow the Reds any way they want to. And there are people all over that get really upset about things that go on and they're really always upset about the Reds. And that's fine. Whatever. You be the fan however you want to be. But to me, I agree. It's more fun that way. But this off season. I've really started to get tired of this stretch of, of baseball, and, and part of that is because you know three straight ninety plus win, ninety plus loss seasons, ninety plus win seasons would have been great, but losing ninety plus games for three straight years, it wears on you, especially when you know you and I are writing and talking and thinking about the Reds just pretty much every day. It's tough. It's tough to do, but also because I see these other teams in the National League Central making these visible moves to get better. The Milwaukee Brewers are trying to get better. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about them. The Chicago, oh, Chicago Cubs. Good grief! I mean, you can see those teams really making moves to get better this off season. Even the Pirates traded for a, an all-star outfielder today uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays, and and the Reds are just. Kind they, of I missed that entirely. Yeah, Corey Dickerson. Uh, the uh, oh, they got a hold of Dickerson. Yeah, who uh, was is out on the outs was on the outs in Tampa, so they put together a, a deal for him. Um, which was sort of a strange, given that they've traded everybody else away this off season. I don't really know what the Pirates are doing, but but you know you, you see that. And I've, I've you know I know why the Reds. It's necessary for the Reds to do what they're doing right now. I know why this isn't the year necessarily for them to go out and get people. Um, I know that the the result, what they hope the result will be of this stretch of poor play, is going to be a team that can be competitive over a longer stretch of time than we saw the last time around. But listen, man. I get you, Votto. It's getting tiresome. It's just getting tired. I'm ready to see some progress on the field. I'm yeah. ready to see the Reds winning more games. Now, you know, I don't expect a playoff run, but like Votto says, something needs to start changing. You get it? Yeah. I mean, frankly, I better be thinking about the wild card being a possibility at least into August. If I'm not, the Reds need to do something. <laughs> really? I mean, I yeah. at some point, something, you know, we, we've, we've been patient. And I think you and I have been more patient than anyone. At some point, it's got to start translating onto the field. It it absolutely must. And and I mean, it's just like I said, where you know the pitching. Let's 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 be real. It's either going to be there or it's not. The yeah. offense, I think we all agree, is going to be fine. Right. I don't think anybody's worried about the offense, especially once Senzel comes up. Um, Should be a somewhat above average offense. I don't. Right. No, as as long as Senzel once Senzel comes up, and as long as they play Winker enough. Um, <laughs> If they don't, Brian Price should be fired, frankly. He should be fired midseason if Jesse Winker isn't playing nearly every We're going to get there in just a second, Jason. Slow your uh, roll, Chief. But otherwise, if the pitching isn't getting it done, then it's time to buy a pitcher. Yeah. Well, and, and this year we'll know. Yeah. We'll know. We, we've got one hole in the in the rotation. We've got two holes in the rotation. We'll know. Yep. Um, and if they don't go out and do that, I'm going to be upset's not the right word. I don't, you know, I don't get mad online, as they say, uh, about be, baseball too much. Except at Hunter Green, right? <laughs> All right, I know, Hunter Green. <laughs> Hunter Green, I love you, buddy. Oh, I'm never, never going to live that one down. Boy, I hope Hunter Green's healthy this year. <laughs> if he's not healthy this year, I'm, um, I'm going to get abused. Oh. Yes. Before but you, we move on, Chad, I just I want to ask an important question. I'm listening. Um. Would you like to know my favorite Joey Votto stat? Because we started with Joey Votto. 
Well, we talk uh, often here about your, uh, if you don't follow Jason, at Jason Linden on Twitter, you need to, because uh, his Coffee and Vado posts, uh, um, which over the summer will get more frequent, but they're always my favorite thing about Twitter. Um, other than that brief time when I was doing some kind of crazy Oregon Trail thing about Scooter Jeanette, that was fun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you are, you come up with some pretty good Votto stats occasionally. Well, this, is, this really is my, I think this is my favorite Joey Votto stat. Because I want to hear it. Less than obscure. Okay, it, we're gonna we have to do it like a quiz, like we always do. Okay. So, I want you to guess where in Reds history, in Cincinnati Reds history, Joey Votto ranks in stolen bases. In stolen bases. Yes. That came out of nowhere. I didn't see that one coming. Um, I know. Fun. Well, now he's played for a while. He has, and um, he's not. You know, he plays first base, but he's not, and he's never been a terrible athlete. Um, he's never been Billy Hamilton. Ah, uh, right. many years has he's played? Not many people have played this many years for the Reds. I don't know. I would. It's top fifty. Almost. He's fifty seventh currently. Gosh, that is really. He I was, will. Yeah, he'll most likely be top fifty in the next few years. It kind of depends on how much he decides to run. Um, he only needs three. There, he's at seventy two right now. Uh, the next three players ahead of him are all stuck on 74. So he should jump the next three easily this year. Um, he might jump good old Pop Corkill. Surely um, not. To 53rd place. <laughs> Who's 50th? Uh, uh, 50th is Eddie Burke. There's a jump up to Aaron Boone's 52nd. He's at 83. So, I mean, that's easy. Jo- you know, Joey Votto will pass that in the next couple of years. But then there's a jump to 96 for 51st place. Um, so it'll, it might be a year or two then, but I, I enjoy that, that Joey Votto is, is like top 60 all time in Reds history and stolen basis. That's just, it's, it's yeah. incongruous and thus I enjoy it. Out of, out of all the uh, players that have ever played for the Cincinnati Reds, it's glorious. You know, at the end of his career, whenever that comes in, you know, another 20, 25 years, we're going to look at stats like that, especially these counting stats. And we're going to just marvel over how he towers over probably anyone in Reds history. Uh, when you, Put all the all the stats together, you know, all the different uh, categories. That's a fascinating one. No, I I said top fifty, just thinking that you wouldn't be bringing it up unless it was something outrageous. But I thought that was even kind of outrageous to even suggest yeah. that. Wow. So that, that's just joy. That's just fun with Joey Votto, which is a thing I do. Fun with Joey Votto. It's always fun. Uh, you know. So uh, I'm with Joey. Yeah. Something's got to change. And your guy, Scooter Jeanette, who you spent the first half hour of this podcast just blasting uh, irrationally. <laughs> Scooter Jeanette says, uh, the Reds have a motto this year. Winning starts now. Yeah, I, I can live with that. I, I also can live with that. But is, he, is, it, is it really going to start this year? I think it should, honest. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how we define winning. I think that this, this year they need to be 500. That's not, that's not outrageous to expect. Yeah, and I mean, the difference between 500 and a winning team is literally one win, so. Yeah, they, they can do that. They, it's, it's all about the pitching. Oh, my goodness. Well, and again, that's really, it was, it was, that was the story of last season. Uh, if the Reds pitching were average, we have an average team. We have a 500 team probably last year. It was just a, an abject disaster thanks to health. But, you know, I just. Only in the first half, though. The second half, mm-hmm. the Reds were. Fairly solid team, yeah. and the pitching was solid. Funny how that works. Yep. So, uh, again, it's going to take some health, and we can, uh, you know, who knows? 
who knows whether they're going to be healthy. They haven't been for a long time, since probably 2012 as a pitching staff. But I don't know. They just got, we said this last spring. You can probably go find it on a podcast, Jason, you and I talking. Uh, if the rotation, if the pitchers are healthy, they'll be able to cobble together five really good starters. Not really good, but five competent starting pitchers. They weren't healthy. But it's the same thing this year. They've got so many pitchers that are in the mix. If if they're just relative good health, I don't see how they can't put together at least a decent pitching staff because there's talent. There's real talent there. Well, you know, I think one thing regarding the pitching staff that is really important and perhaps has not been talked about enough is the fact that at the beginning of the season last year, um, Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly were way down on the depth chart simply because the belief was that they were not necessarily quite ready. Now they're not. Yeah, they passed up a lot of guys, didn't they? Right. Yeah, they passed up a lot of guys. And neither of them, as far as I am aware, has ever dealt with any kind of significant injury, which reduces their injury risk. So, you know, right now, you know, Castillo is, frankly, if we're being honest, he's probably the Reds' number one starter, maybe number two if uh, if DiSclefani is ready. Um, And Molly is probably their number six or seven starter right now, and only because he just hasn't gotten much of a crack in the majors yet. So, you know, it's one of those circumstances where two guys who were not on the radar last year but have been healthy throughout their minor league careers figure to to throw quite a few innings for the Reds for the Reds this season. Yeah. Two guys that you that this time last year I don't I doubt we mentioned either of them as options. You know. Yeah. And, and they did. They broke their way through that uh that ceiling and put themselves into the mix ahead of some other guys. So and those other guys are still around, and uh, there are reasons for optimism about all of them. You know, Robert Stevenson, you know, finished the season well. Sal Romano just continues to impress. Um, you know, Amir Garrett had the injury. There's reason to think he can bounce back. You know, all these guys. I'm, I'm the biggest Cody Reed fan on earth, evidently, because I just I think he needs to get a, a shot. And I think that if he will just if they'll send him to AAA to start the season rather than put him in the major league bullpen, I think he will earn his way back into the. Uh- into the mix he has the stuff for sure and i guess there were some early reports that people are and by people i mean sort of reds management are pretty happy with cody reed so far there have been there uh sort of uh, effusive praise of cody reed early in camp and you know you never know what to believe about all that stuff you know everybody's in the best shape of their life and all that but but reed there were some quotes from him this week where he was like listen i want to prove him wrong you know i maybe didn't have the best attitude last year I realize that I'm really coming in this year. I showed up early because I want to prove to them. I know they say maybe bullpen, but I want to prove to them that I should be in the starting mix. I want to prove to them I'm the guy that they traded Johnny Cueto for. And that's yep. a lot to live up for, love to live up to. Um, so, yeah, it's all – I mean, health is the really X factor, is it not? With If they're healthy, they're going to find five pitchers or more. It's, it's always the X factor. Yeah, that's true with everybody, not just the Reds. Yeah, with, with uh, you know, one of the things I might have said this on the last podcast, I think I did, but it bears repeating, is that the Reds started the season. They, they got a total. They got less than a hundred innings from their top three starters last year. No team in the majors can survive that. That will take a World Series bound team and take them out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, the the Cubs. Yeah, the, the Astros. No, no team can do that. No team can ha- you take their top three starters and you give them a hundred innings total from those three starters. No, no team can do that. No, absolutely, no team can do that. And, and probably took the Reds from a 
potential 500 team to a 90 loss team. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the X factor. We know, it, we always know it and, and there's no way to predict it. So it's just keep your fingers crossed, I guess. Um, but given relative good health, I think there's reason to think this rotation, they're not going to be the best rotation in baseball, but you know, Castillo and Disclafani are legitimate top of the rotation talents. Yes. Um, I... And you can find three other guys, you know, cause there's enough talent to fill those other spots that you can find three guys. I, I you know, I'm, I'm extremely high on Tyler Molly. You're higher than I am. Even you're higher than almost anybody on Tyler Molly with good reason. The guys actually produced, um, you know, they're, I don't know. We're being optimistic again, Jason. It's true. We are. <laughs> Sorry about that's that. That's what we do. <laughs> that's, that's our brand. Hashtag brand. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Friday, February the 23rd is going to be the Reds first spring training game. Playing against those Cleveland Indians out there in Goodyear, Arizona. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, I know. I wish I were there. 3.05 p.m. start on WLW and on Fox Sports Ohio, actually, going to broadcast the game. So um, I'm going to run down this uh, starting lineup for you, Jason Linden. And there are about, I don't know, <laughs> about nine or ten different things that we could discuss with respect to this lineup. Some opinions, Chad? I have some opinions. Um after seeing this lineup, I joked on Twitter that I'm done with the Reds. I'm never going to tweet about the Reds again, uh, just because I thought it'd be fun to overreact about a, the spring training lineup for the first spring training game. But let me let me run it down for you, Jason, and get yeah. your initial thoughts. Here's Brian Price, intrepid manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Here's his starting lineup for the opening spring training game: Hamilton, Suarez, Votto, Jeanette, cleanup, Jeanette Duvall, Shebler. Parazza, Barnhart, and the designated hitter, Dilson Herrera. What's the first thing that jumps out at you there, Jason Linden? Well, there's there's a young man batting leadoff who should not be. Jason, I love Billy Hamilton. He's my favorite player. Are you He's, seriously telling me that he should not be leading off? I am. And I know that you agree with me because we <laughs> had this conversation. I, I love Billy. And, and I... And, and I really want him to be a red for a while. And I think he can provide value even if he doesn't hit. I just don't understand how any big league organization in 2018 with all the data available can believe that Billy Hamilton is a proper leadoff hitter for a club. Now, let me say this. Maybe the Reds have some proprietary metrics that aren't released to the public that tell them that having Hamilton there with all his base running acumen is a legitimate leadoff hitter, even though he doesn't get on base. That's possible. I don't know what their uh, internal data shows. But from what I can see from publicly available data, I like having Hamilton in the lineup. You said it earlier. He can provide value to a lineup defensively with his, with his legs. But I just don't see how you justify hitting him leadoff. With with yeah. the and I'm going to ask you to comment on that, but I want to add the quick proviso here that, come on, it's first spring training game. Let's not get too upset about the, about the fact that Billy Hamilton's leading off in a spring training game. But but seriously, I mean, doesn't that it makes you wonder about Brian Price's the way he yeah. looks at this lineup? It's weird. I mean, you know, one of the things I think that has become apparent to me in, um. Just, I guess, some of the access I've had for the last couple of years of being able to cover, like, 
bats games in Louisville and, and, and talk to people and things is when a lineup doesn't matter, it can be a very political thing. Um, and so it can be used for purposes other than this is what I think, where I think this player should be. So Hamilton should not be leading off. But maybe the Reds want to say, if you show us that you can lead off, we still have faith in you and we're happy to have you there. Yeah. I don't know. Just like Scooter Jeanette should not be batting fourth, but it's the first time. So maybe the Reds want to say, hey, if you keep hitting, you'll play and we'll bat you. You know, if you hit like you did last year, you'll bat high in the order. Um, you know, then you've got Duval and Shebler. There's obviously going to be a situation, a pecking order with the outfield there. And there's going to be a seniority aspect, too. So they might be trying to say to Winker, listen, you got to earn it. And with Herrera batting eighth, they might either be trying to take the pressure off or they might also be saying, you got to earn it. Um, it's, you know, it can be in a variety of things. Um, what you said about Billy Hamilton and maybe their proprietary metrics, that is the one thing about him that is interesting to me because he is such a fantastic base runner. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, all world in terms of base running. And it is at least conceivable that um, he is, well, actually, I think it's almost certain that he is a better leadoff hitter than his on-base percentage would indicate. There's no whether, question. Whether he's better enough that he should still actually be leading off is another thing entirely. And, you know, I, as far as I'm aware, there have been a couple of very preliminary surveys, or, you know, studies done on this that basically came to the conclusion that, you probably need to tack a few points at least onto his on-base percentage in terms of viewing how effective he is. But I don't think anybody is clear, and I've kind of looked into it because I was looking, you know, it's one of those things where I'm asking myself the question, am I going to have to do this research or if I want to know the answer or does somebody else has somebody else already done it? And nobody else, as far as I've been able to find, has, has really done it thoroughly. Um, and I've been too lazy to do the math so far. Um, so we don't know. And, you know, one would hope that the Reds have enough of an analytics department that they do know. But, oh, boy, I would sure like to see that data. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm willing to believe there is something out there. I don't necessarily believe that. You know, I joked about being upset about Billy Hamilton, giving up on the Reds, uh, about Billy Hamilton betting leadoff. Um, But I think the way you described it, I think that's – with this lineup as a whole, which is the reason not to get too upset about a spring training lineup – Billy Hampton was our leadoff hitter last year, the last couple of years. Uh, Brian Price is not just a guy that writes out the lineup card. He manages real human beings. Yeah. And and Billy Hampton may want to be a leadoff hitter desperately. That may be what he wants. And if you come into spring training and go ahead and bat him ninth, you know, you got to watch out for egos and for how they act in the clubhouse. And I can, you know, again, I've joked about it, and I, I do not believe there's any. I love Hamilton. I do not believe there's any reason to bat him lead off. But I, you know, I'm not in the clubhouse because basically they filed a restraining order against me. I'm not allowed to go anywhere near uh, 200 feet of Billy Hamilton. But it's quite possible that you know. You come in first day and Hamlin's bat ninth, and he's like, "What? You know, you got to worry about stuff like that because he's still a valuable member of this team as it is currently constructed." So, you know, I can I can absolutely see that. And same, like you said, with Scooter at second base, you know, he had a bunch of home runs last year and had a good season. And why do you want to come in and put those guys batting eight nine or whatever, or not even playing, and and 
cause a problem that you don't have that doesn't need to be a problem just yet. Um, other things I see about this lineup quickly: Herrera D, being the DH. You know, early uh, analysis of that, and we're way over analyzing the first uh, spring training lineup. But you know, they want to see what he's got because he's you know he's in the mix here. So uh, you agree with that? Yeah, I, you know, it's it's there's I think there's definitely a pecking order there. It's kind of like having Herrera and Jeanette in the lineup at the same time tells you something. Yeah, uh, having Jeanette start tells you kind of who's ahead right now. I, I I think probably in some ways the most interesting thing about this lineup and that it may actually carry over is Eugenio Suarez batting second, which I would love to see. Yes, I was going to praise Brian Price for that. Absolutely. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, everything else, I, we'll see. Right. Who's who's the one name in the lineup? And I know what, I'm, I'm asking this question knowing what your answer because it's the same as my answer. What's the one name in the lineup? that's not there that needs to be there. Uh, I believe we're talking about Mr. Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker. And again, similarly, Duvall and Shebler were starters last year. You know, give them the starts here. Say, hey, you know, I, you're respecting what they've done as part of sort of managing the personalities involved. I don't think it says anything about what Brian Price is going to do on opening day or thereafter about Jesse Winker. Uh, at least I'm not ready to say that it may mean something, but I don't think it does just yet. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's just the conversations are easier, it, even if you've already made up your mind. For instance, that Jesse Winker is going to play more or less every day. Yeah, it's a lot easier to say to Duvall or Shevler or whatever. You know, look, you know, I started you all right at the beginning. You know, obviously the the positions were yours, but the way Winker has come on this spring or what we're seeing from him this spring, you know, we really have to play him every day. And, you know, that's going to be a time-sharing thing, and you all are just going to have to get used to it. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, obviously if you earn your position back, you know, you have you have the leg up, and you'll, you, you, can, you can have those kinds of talks with them, and it's a lot easier to have that talk than if you bench one of them on the first spring training game. Yeah, there's no reason not to sort of ease them into it. Yeah. Basically. And, and matter of fact, if, I may, if I'm Brian Price, I may have already decided – Jesse Winker is my leadoff hitter this season. He's got the he's going to get on base. We'll have him and Suarez sitting in front of Votto, and that those are my those are my guys. And even if I had decided that, and I'm Brian Price, I may put this exact same lineup together. I yeah. may not I may not have Winker in at all. I may have Hamilton leading off. Uh, it's not unreasonable. And we, we joked, and a lot of people on Twitter today certainly really did go crazy about it. But yeah. you know, it's more than just putting a lineup together. And it's not unreasonable, even if you think Jesse Winker is going to be your best outfielder this year, and I think there's a pretty good chance he will be. I I can't really fault Brian Price for not having him in this lineup. Yeah, I mean he's also still you know effectively or technically even a rookie. Yeah. So do you want to say to the rookie, uh, game one of spring, all right, you're leading off, get to it. Right. Or or say to the rookie, hey, right field, it's yours. Yeah. I'm giving it to you. Don't go. Don't you don't have to go earn it. I'm giving it to you. There's there's a lot there's a lot more at play here than just you know what is necessarily the best baseball decision. The best baseball decision matters a whole lot more in April than it does right now. Yes, and you and know, I've said certainly my opinion. I think you agree with this. My opinion of uh, Reds manager Brian Price is going to be largely determined by where Billy Hamilton and Jesse Winker are playing and where they are in the lineup on opening day. I concur completely and utterly. Because if Billy Hamilton is leading off, 
and Winker is on the bench or hitting seventh, it's going to tell me a lot about what Brian Price believes. And you're going to have to do a lot of convincing about these proprietary metrics that the Reds might have that will to convince me that, that Hamilton is likely to be a better leadoff hitter than Jesse Winker. Yeah. But Winker, Suarez, Votto? <laughs> Votto will have 1,000 thousand RBIs. Oh, God. Approximately. Can, can would, would there be anything more delightful than – are you there, Chad? Oh, I'm here. Okay, sorry, I thought the line – apologies to listeners. I thought things cut out for a second. You think would I would there, hang up on you, Jason? Would Well, no, but you never know. Would there be anything more delightful than the amount of RBI that that Joey Votto could rack up if he were hitting behind Winker, Suarez, and Senzel? Oh, my gosh. I mean, could could you not imagine him having 130, 140 RBI legitimately? It's Hack, William, Hack Wilson-esque for uh, those of you that know anything about uh, baseball history. Yeah, I mean, all of those guys could, at least in theory, you know, certainly push 370, maybe even 400 in terms of on-base percentage. And then you've got Joey Votto coming up all the time with one or two or, oh, and beautiful moments, all three of them on base. And, and what's interesting about that is as Votto ages, you may want to move him back to fourth in the lineup or something. And those three guys would, oh, my goodness. Well, Could, f- frankly, fourth in the lineup in, in terms of what's efficient is where Joey Votto should be batting now. Yeah, well, he's not going to be right now. No, but, but at some point, I think he he may not be seen as a prototypical third hitter. Um, you know that that is something I actually kind of wanted to bring up because I think it's worth discussing. Um, several years ago, you know, I used to be on the train of getting upset about lineups and things like that, and and eventually I was persuaded, you know, lineups don't matter that much. The difference between a manager's typical lineup and the ideal lineup doesn't cost you very much over the course of a season, and all the other decisions the manager makes are more important, and so on and so on and so on. But sabermetrics has become so ingrained in baseball strategy right now that I'm really starting to wonder if optimal lineup construction actually is going to become important because we're going to start to see sort of like the margins are getting smaller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that at some point, actually, a manager who won't bat Jesse Winker first because he's not fast becomes a a liability for a team because – you, you, there aren't any hidden advantages to find at this point. Because every other team is constructing their lineup efficiently. A team right. that doesn't construct their lineup efficiently is going to, even marginally, is going to put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I mean, that's something I'm curious about. And certainly, like, you know, we can take the Cubs as an optimal example. The Cubs construct their lineup very efficiently uh, most days. And, you know, obviously they have had some success with that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, okay, lots of interesting stuff, and we may have to sort of stick a pen in it and talk about some of that uh, the next time because we've really run out of time here at Red Leg Nation Radio. But there's one last thing I want to talk about, Jason. Today, I just uh, I got to mention it. You know, I got a big box in the mail full of uh, copies of a book that's getting ready to be released. It's called The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, and it's a book I wrote with uh, my buddy Chris Garber. And uh, hey, that was a pretty fun moment. I know you've experienced it, just getting uh, seeing seeing a copy, be able to hold a copy of your book, an actual book, because until now it's been digital, you know, it, all the uh, digital documents, but now it's, it, it was in my hands. That's fun, right? It's pretty wonderful. And, you know, and this is normally the point where I would 
rib you good naturedly, but I won't even. I will just say that that's <laughs> great and congratulations. And everybody should go buy Chad's book. Well, I appreciate that. No, it's uh, it is available for pre order Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, TriumphBooks.com. Be released uh, around around opening day. It's going to be released, but it's being shipped out to bookstores now to be available in bookstores and uh, around the region. Um, and even uh, interestingly, in Canada, uh, uh, one of the largest independent booksellers in Canada placed a, a sizable order. I guess thanks to Joey Votto, uh, which which I thought was interesting. So it's going to be available, and I appreciate anyone that can buy it. The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds by me and uh, Chris Garber. So. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about that this summer because uh, I really think it's a it's a fun book. I think if you like the Reds, you're going to really enjoy it. And there is a chapter on Scooter Jeanette. Jason, there's also a chapter on Adam Dunn. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> you know, you know, coming from me, it's got to be a got to be an Adam Dunn chapter. All right, that's enough uh, for today. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 195. Appreciate you listening to us. Appreciate you downloading. I know there are a lot of things you can do with your entertainment time, and uh, the fact that you choose to spend a little bit of a little bit of that time with us every single week. Uh, it's not lost on me, and I really do appreciate it. Go subscribe if you haven't already. iTunes, uh, wherever. Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. We're there. Um, leave us a rating or review. Ask you every week, and uh, you'd be surprised at how uh, how much that helps to, to introduce us to, to new listeners. So if you know if you go leave us a rating or review, it's much appreciated. Otherwise, I always say, if you, if you like the podcast, talk about us. Tell your friends. Get them to subscribe. If you don't like us... Two things. Number one, keep your mouth shut. Number two, why have you listened for this whole hour if you don't like us? That's crazy. I guess it's because you like Jason. Um, you can find Jason on Twitter at Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. Uh, we're at Red Leg Nation. And then at RedLegNation.com, we're writing about the Reds uh, every single day. And we're getting gearing up for a, for what I think is going to be one of the most interesting seasons in the last few. Jason, always good talking to you, buddy. Always good to be here, Chad. It is good for you to be here with me. I know you appreciate it. For I Jason, do. I know. I bask in your presence. I'll have a glow for days. Oh man, Jason, I think I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna talk again for the podcast. What do you think about that? I, I think we should. I expect that we will. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.